0: This morning. Good morning, Church family. Glad everyone's here this morning. I'm so glad we didn't get ice this morning. I was praying that the weather would hold off so we could gather together and worship today and sing praises to God and hear His Word proclaimed. That's better, isn't it? Better for me, anyway. So uh, let's uh, let's take our Bibles here today. I invite you to open them and turn with me to Luke chapter three. Now. If you've already looked ahead in the bulletin and looked at this text, you may be sitting here thinking today, how in the world is he going to cobble together a sermon out of this text? Uh, This is not a story like we see oftentimes in the Gospels. This is not uh, Paul's letters where there seems to be succinct, systematic thought to it. Uh, But there is importance to this. Uh, This is very much like, uh, have you ever been watching a movie, maybe a scary movie or a thriller? And then some woman or man's peeling potatoes at the sink, and then they hear a noise. So then they put the knife down on the counter, and they walk away to check the noise, but the camera stays on the knife the whole time. And you kind of hear the music in the background, and you think, okay, something significant's going to happen with this knife here in a minute, right? I don't know what it is, but it's going to happen. That's kind of like this text today. The camera's zoomed in. The Holy Spirit is zoomed in on something that's of importance. Uh, another thing that we need to think about before we read this text is the... Uh, What is being said and what is being communicated are often two different things, but there is a clarity with it, and you only know that with context. For example, if you could not see Becky and I in the next room, but you could hear us, and she came in the room, and she snuggled up next to me, and I had a pen and a paper out and on my lap, and I was writing something, and she just sort of gently grabbed my arm to be affectionate, and uh, I looked at her and I said, honey, I'm trying to write something, right? Right? Well, if you were sitting in the next room and couldn't see what was happening, you might would just write those words down, think he just said, Honey, I'm trying to write something, and what would you take away? Well, he's trying to write something, and that's it. But what do I actually mean when I look at her and say, Honey, I'm trying to write something? I mean, let go of my arm, right? Uh, let, me, let me finish what I'm writing here so I can, I can move on, right? That, it's, that's not what's explicitly communicated here, but that's what the intention is here, okay? So in a similar fashion here, if you don't have the context, you can't understand what Scripture means, right? Because the most important thing when you interpret Scripture is what you think the text means, right? You better say no to that. Just making sure you're awake. The answer is never, yeah, if, I, if I'm if i walking by and I hear in your Sunday school class, well, what do you think this means? Who cares? <laughs> right? Nobody. You may not know. You may have it completely out in left field. You don't know what it means without context, context, context. In Bible interpretation, right, And they say in real estate, what is is it that's everything? Location, location, location. What is it when you're interpreting the Bible? Context, context, context. You must have your word in context of the scripture must have your scripture in context of paragraph. You must have paragraph in context of chapter. You must have chapter in context of book. And you must have book in context of the entirety of the redemptive narrative. Okay? So you've got to have context to understand what the author is after. In a similar fashion, when we approach this text today, we've got to have the context. So let me spend just a second this morning talking to you about the context of Luke chapter 3 in Luke chapter 3 where do we leave off last time? you remember? last Sunday was the baptism of Jesus right? in the baptism of Jesus the last line we read the, the embodiment of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove heaven opens up and the words come out of the heavenly father's mouth what? this is my son in whom I am well pleased then there's a genealogy of Jesus Then, there is uh, Luke chapter 4, right? And what's happening in Luke chapter 4? Preview for sermon in next week. Pay attention, right? Here's your preview. Jesus will be tempted. When Jesus is tempted, what's going to happen is Satan will question the sonship of Christ. And here's how he'll do it, right? Well, if you truly are the son of God, then take this stone and what? turn it to bread if you truly are the son of god step off this cliff and none, none of your bones will be broken you won't be harmed angels will catch you right satan is always questioning the sonship the authenticity of jesus as god uh, i see it on tiktok i like to flip through tiktok occasionally make been known to make some tiktok some silly some of some significance, but uh, I I do that. And there are a myriad, there's a slew of false teachers on TikTok that are saying things like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't really teach that Jesus was born of a virgin. We're going to see in the text today, uh, yes, it absolutely does. Not only was it affirmed in Luke chapter 2, it's going to be reaffirmed in the genealogy that we're going to unpack this morning. So don't, don't come with me, with all this stuff about, you know, that's, that's again, people picking out passages, one passage, no context, and putting whatever they think they want with it. It's not how Bible interpretation works, right? Okay. Here we go. Ready? Buckle your seatbelts. We're going to read more Jewish names today than they do in a bar mitzvah in New York, okay? It's going to be fun, isn't it? Some of you will get that later. Alright. you stay with me here? Jeff? Alright. Here we go. Jesus in context. Jesus, when he began his ministry was about 30 years of age, being the son, now look here, what's it say? Read it with me. As was supposed, we're going to come back to that in a minute, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matha, the son of Levi, the son of Melsha, the son of Janna, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Ishla, the son of Nagah, the son of Matha, the son of Mathathias, the son of Simeon, the son of Joseph, the son of Joda, the son of Jonathan, Jonathan, the son of Reish, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealt, the son of Zirah, the son of Malika, the son of Ada, the son of Cosam the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, son of Mathan. Son of Levi, son of Simeon, son of Judah, son of Joseph, son of Jomma, the son of Elchem. the son of Ilma, Mila, the son of Mina, the son of Mathathan, the son of Nathan, the son of David, son of Jesse, son of Ovid, son of Boaz, son of Selah. son of Nashon. the son of Amadadah. Amadad. The son of Admon the son of Aaron, the son of Hizron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sirk, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Salem, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphex, the son of Arvixt, the son of Shem, the son of Noah. The son of Liam, Latham, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mala. Leah, the son of Cana, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Abram, the son of, read the last one with me, you can read this last one, son of God. All right. Identity is talked about frequently. What is your identity? are you? What defines who you are? Another thing that's very popular today is Ancestry DNA Test. Anybody ever done that before? Ancestry DNA Test. Some of you? Okay. Well, I read across an article, it's been about a year ago, from the New York Times. I oftentimes like to scan the New York Times. I just want to know uh, what predominantly people that aren't with the Lord are saying about culture just to know where pulse of the culture is two, the, the title of this from about a year ago, maybe two years ago two sisters bought DNA kits the results blew apart their family here's what happened two sisters took a, took a DNA test named Julie Larson and uh, Frida Hertzwitz and here's what they found they had found that there was DNA link, close DNA link for Julie to another man Like so close, it was siblings. The man that she didn't know who he was. What they had done is they had uncovered that uh, their father had had an extramarital affair that they never knew about, and had produced a child. But what was odd is this sibling that was directly related to her shared no genetic material whatsoever with her sister what that uncovered was that not only had the father had an extramarital affair but the mother had also had an extramarital affair and had produced a child from that relationship so these two people another sister another brother no idea there's any biological ties whatsoever uh, and it just kind of shattered the family. Of course, the other siblings in the family had no DNA that they shared with any of these extramarital affair children, and it just blew them apart. The family questioned their loyalty to the family, caused all kinds of problems. If you want to read about it this afternoon, you're more than welcome to go read about it. It's interesting. You know, we, we have to think, are we biologically who our family is? Or, you know, and then they talked about how even though... You know, they both shared the same mother, and uh, one of them that wasn't really their father, it was still her father, right? It was the man that raised her, the man that shaped her. What is it that makes us who we are and our identity, right? Uh, I'm going to be very honest with you. I I would challenge you today to take this list. It's it's actually, if you get a bulletin today, this will be real easy for you. Take your bulls in the day. In the middle is the text that I attempted to read, right? And lay it next to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 contains the genealogy of Jesus. But I'm going to warn you, they're different. They're completely different. There are some names that are similar, but to be quite honest, I'm not sure that they're the same people. You know, Israelites in the Old Testament actually did something we do today, right? Actually, we almost named Peyton after Peyton Manning, but we decided last minute to change that. You know, we we name we name our kids after people that are famous. Well, people in the Old Testament do the same thing. You know, Solomon, David, these are famous names in the Old Testament. People would often name children the same name. So some of these that you're reading in this account may be the patriarchs that they are, and they may be named after the patriarchs. And here's a few of the differences. First of all, uh, first point I kind of want to make here, is that the lineage and the genealogy of Jesus, it is, well, to be quite honest, it's chaotic. It's chaotic. Um, It is, uh, it's chaos, but it's a controlled chaos, right? There's There's an intention and a purpose that God has in it. And it's confusing. Now, I'd love to stand up here and say, now, there's a really good you know, theory, and I'm going to share with you why uh, I think the differences are there, but let me share with you some of the differences before I go too far. If you were to lay Matthew 1 next to the genealogy here in Luke 3 and just compare the differences, here's one difference. First difference is that uh, in Matthew, it, Matthew records 24 generations. Do you know how many are recorded here? 40. 40 generations. Okay. Uh, Another interesting thing about the difference between these two, Matthew begins with King Solomon, David's son, King Solomon, and picks up from there and advances to Jesus. Which way does this genealogy go? Does it start from the Old Testament or does it start from Jesus? It starts from Jesus and goes backwards all the way to what? Adam, right? So it traces it all the way back to the very first man that lived. Uh, Also something that's interesting and different is that you see Matthew... Primarily tracing the king lineage from the line from the tribe of Judah from Jesse's family, he's primarily just staying with the kings that stayed in power and ruled in, in Israel and Jerusalem. Well, in this account, there's a reference to Nathan, who's another son of David, and the line is traced through him. So that's another difference. Uh, what are we to think of this? You know, these are. Um, you know there are there are 77 names that are in this short section of scripture 77 names actually it's cyclical there are seven groups of 11 that are in this section seven groups of 11 that are mentioned here and they i think at the end there it does go back to the patriarchs to Jacob uh, and these then some of the people in the list like i said could be named after patriarchs so these are just some of the differences that we're seeing here and we shouldn't be surprised by that, right? That Jesus' lineage in family tree is chaotic and complicated. Let me ask you about yours. Is your family lineage complicated? Your family history complicated? You ever been to that family gathering or reunion that you have once a year at the whatever state park it is, fried chicken back before COVID in the glory days? chicken with flies that landed on it well some of us did not all of us but back before we were so scared of germs and everything and uh you know you have you have like the one person in the family who's sort of like the genealogist like they they know who everybody is like you have to walk up and be like now you know aunt jane who is that dude over there eating? smoking on the mountain right now who is that guy Oh, that's your cousin. He was removed twice, put back in three times. You know what I'm talking about? Strange things sometimes in our lineage. Um, in addition to that, I was thinking about my own roots. My family, at least half my family, came out of one county, and that's Scott County, Virginia. The other half came out of Sevier County. Sevier County in Tennessee, you know where Gowt Pigeon Forge is? Yeah, they were down there. Don't worry, we weren't the rich people down there. We were the poor family out, folks, and uh, I was watching the family, the France family, I've traced some of this back with some other family members, back in the 1800s, the uh, great-grandpa France, or great-great-grandpa France, late 1800s, had a bunch of kids, of which my family came through, and his first wife died, so he married a girl that was probably just a few years older than a teenager, or maybe late teenager, late 1920 convinced her. I've often wondered how that conversation went. Listen, if you'll come be my wife, cook for me, clean for me, you will I'm going to die soon. You'll be taken care of. You'll have this farmland. I don't know what kind of package deal he threw in for, her, but he, he got her to marry him and they started having kids, had a whole other line of kids. And I can just, you can just imagine the bickering over land and property and family goods, like family Bible and different things like that back and forth between these two families. It's still talked about in Scott County. Can you believe that? It's still talked about today. This stuff happened in the 1800s. So it's complicated, right? And I know if you were to think about this, you know, your own lineage yours is complicated too. Uh, But in some ways that's comforting to me. It just shows that Jesus is more like us, right? Comes from a messed up family like we did. Another thing that we see here is this. There's a, a weird thing in Scripture. We, well, it's weird to us. I'll say it that way. It's weird to 21st century Americans. And if you want to read about it, it's actually referenced in the Gospel of Matthew, right? If you read Matthew 22:24, somebody approaches Jesus and asks him this question. He says, teacher, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. And the Old Testament says that, that if the first brother, the oldest brother dies, younger brother is to marry her, you know, one, social security and all these different things, children are the social security for the elderly. And so they were to provide the seed, and then when the records were kept, the Jewish records were kept, who's the father, right? Well, the the deceased husband would often times be counted as the father, but the deceased husband didn't provide the seed for the child. So, who's the dad? Which records write, right, right? And then you add a couple thousand years on top of that and it gets even harder to see, right? Uh, So then how are we to think about this? This record of Jesus here and how it's in sharp contrast here with uh, Matthew. So Matthew records these kings, these well-known people in Jewish history, and Luke records nobody. I'm just being honest. That's who these people are try to find all these names in the old testament you won't find them many of the people that are listed here in luke chapter 3 this is the only place in the entirety of the bible that they're listed now they were listed in jewish records right whenever they came out of egypt they kept particular records if you'll recall when they when they built the temple back and started worship back in jerusalem you had to have your name found in the genealogy records or you were not allowed to go in they kept particular records. Now, we don't have access to those records, but from a stance of the New Testament and the Old Testament, these people are relatively unknown, mostly. Now, there's some that are. These 77 people here, right? How are we to think about this, right? Why would one trace this and one trace the other? Well, here's what I think. I'm going to share with you my thoughts here. I think that Matthew is primarily fixated on sharing the lineage of Jesus. But there is a problem with sharing the kingly lineage of Jesus, right? I'm going to give you a little temp here. If you're ever playing like Bible Jeopardy or Old Testament Jeopardy and you don't know if an Old Testament king was good or bad, just say bad. Because nine times out of ten, you're right. The vast majority of the kings of Israel were bad. God actually told Israel when they wanted a king, right? Remember the great sin of Israel as they began to fall they had a few glory years with David. Solomon, it begins to wane, then it goes from bad to worse, right? It's kind of like that uh, that show, the what's it called, AMC did with the zombies in it. I kept telling back, I watched it for a while, and I quit. I was like, this show just you know, it goes from bad to worse. It can't get any worse. Well, that's like the king's. It's like Night of the Walking Dead. This king can't be worse than the last one? Oh, watch him. Yes, he can. He can be worse, and he was worse, right? Uh, and so Matthew here, while tracing this kingly lineage... Is actually tracing a lineage that may be biologically true, but lacks faithfulness to the instruction and law of God. Are you with me? I think it is highly probable that Luke is tracing a lineage of people who remained faithful to God when others did not. Alright? Stay with me here. In the New Testament, Paul states that Timothy is his son. Right? Says that Paul is not Timothy's biological father. He is his son in the ministry. Right? There is a spiritual parenting that is recorded and seen in Scripture. I think it is altogether probable that you are seeing here the spiritual lineage that is being linked, that is parallel and also true as well as the as the scene here in Matthew chapter 1. It's just these people don't have books written about them and the, and the excessiveness of their sin because I think there's a good chance many of them stayed faithful. And you know this to be true in your own life. There are people in your life who are not biologically related to you but who shaped you greatly spiritually. They are people that God gave you, and they are a gift in your life. Let me me give you an illustration from my own life. When I was a little boy, we didn't go to church. I wouldn't say we were anti-church. I would just say it wasn't a priority compared to some other things. And I can remember, there's this, it's still there. This house is still there. There's actually an Australian family that's, um, they're planting a church in Johnson City right now. Pastor in Sydney, Australia, for years. He lives in this house now in front of my parents, Fall Branch. This two story white house, it's probably as old as Fall Branch itself. It's been there forever, one of the first houses that was built there. And there was this little old lady who, who went to First Baptist Fall Branch named Helen Stedman. She's been dead 30 years. Every okay? time I would be out playing, a lot of times their yard attached to ours, I'd just go over there to her back door. Knock on it. She'd have milk and candy for me every time I came over, and we'd have the most wonderful conversations. We talked about the Lord. That was very formative for me. That was like a she was like a grandmother to me. That that knew the Lord appointed me that way. Uh, my my mentoring pastor, Vic Wallace, who's down in uh, Knoxville now, ninety years old. He calls me when he introduces me to people. He said, "This is Travis Taylor. He's my son in the ministry." That's what he said. He doesn't have you know anything biologically to do with that spiritually that is very true he impacted my life in such a way he was there when the Lord called me to salvation he was there to lead me take me by the hand lead me down the Roman road to know Christ God used him like a father and my first church I had full time there was a wonderful gentleman named Ed Neal and uh, Ed and I were very close hours together. Uh, the only thing Ed had was he had a heart condition. And uh, a week before Asher was born, when we were living in Indiana, I was in my study getting ready for Wednesday night. I got a phone call from his wife. She said, Travis, I can't wait up. This man walked with me through my graduation from seminary. He had kept me from stepping on I don't know how many landmines in the church such a guide and a help and then spiritually and, and uh, you can ask back they did so much for us for such a help to us they were like our parents there, yeah. so much so that by the time I got over there Lord already took him taking taken him home his arm was stiff he was laying in bed and went peacefully and uh, one of the members come over and said you lost your dad today didn't you he went home to be with the Lord yeah. I lost a father today a couple things from this One, I know there are many of us here who have had the blessing of children. We won't deny that that is a blessing, to have children in our home. But there are people in our church that have not had that blessing by God's sovereign plan. Just because you don't have children doesn't mean you don't have children. You understand what I'm saying? You can have an impact in countless people's lives. Just like Ed, just like Vic, just like Helen. Did you know Helen never had children that lived next to me? Never had any children. I don't remember if she was married or not. I can't remember that far back. Her sister Becky's met her sister Nova. We go in sometimes. We still send her Christmas cards. Uh, but uh, no children. But she had all kinds of pictures of family and loved the Lord. You can have a great impact in people's lives. And you and many of you are sitting here. You're thinking, I'm a nobody, right? I mean, let's let's be honest, right? People that are the world says are important. Board planes from L.A. and fly to New York. They call this area we live in flyover country. Did you know that? That's what people that fly back and forth from New York to They say, it's just flyover country. I'm just some dude, some gal right here in Carter County. Nobody knows who I am. Who, who cares if I'm faithful to the Lord or not? Well, the answer here and what this passage reminds us of is that God cares. Not only does God care, God knows your name. And God is watching the impact that you make. Question then becomes right: Are you being faithful, like the kings of Israel, and doing a bad job with that stewardship, or are you being faithful in a way that even though you're not getting a newsletter or newspaper articles written about you in the Baptist Reflector or these different venues or in the paper, are you being faithful with God with what God has given you in your relationships and in knowing other people? Are you investing in others? Are you discipling and being discipled? Are these the kind of things you're doing? Right. Uh, th- these are the questions that that it draws us to here, right? We also see something else in this passage. The Lord here confirms in chapter 3 at the baptism, this is my beloved son. Then he begins tracing this lineage, and we get back here, and it is affirmed again in verse 38 that he is the son of God. Another thing here, I told you to underline, as was supposed of Joseph. Again, we see that that Luke went to great lengths in Luke chapter 2 to show Jesus's immaculate conception that he did not have a biological earthly father. And it says here in the similar fashion, another reason I draw this same concept, that this may actually be more of a spiritual lineage. Uh, there may be overlaps with biological lineage as well. Uh, but the point being here, Jesus is the one who would inherit what these had given, right? They, he is the one. So in a similar fashion with Luke 22, you know, if... Uh, order to receive what was to be inherited by that son they would have to put the father of the deceased one down even though he didn't necessarily parent in the same fashion here right tying this all the way back to Abraham Jesus is the one who will inherit what he will inherit the promises and fulfill them that were given to Abraham in a similar fashion here though he doesn't stop with Abraham but rolls the thing back all the way to Adam the first man that lived on the earth Adam and Eve falling why in the world is that referenced here well because i think what what he's seeing here is he wants us to understand in a very cyclical format in a very you know coming all the way back around satisfying way right all all of us like those satisfying videos where people cut things nice and even nobody likes those videos where things are cut this way then this way then that way right nobody likes that everything wants to be nice and smooth and even that's what's happening in this passage taking it all the way back to the edge of the glass right making this all the way back clear okay and what's he doing he's tying it back to adam what did we see happen with adam when adam disobeyed god and then here we see satan again right satan attacking who jesus is attacking the virgin birth attacking what god has said wasn't the original lie in the garden the original lie was did god really say not to any of this fruit you don't think satan's still doing that satan's still doing that he's still saying now did god really say that is jesus really god's son now didn't jesus just have an earthly father like the rest of us right it's all being attacked by satan and when that pressure came on adam and he was tempted what does adam do he sins and he falls and when adam sins and he falls what happens a curse is set on humanity So every generation that you read about today is under the curse of Adam, will sin and will die. But this passage reminds us here of something greater that God is doing. God in having Jesus is reversing the curse, right? He is restoring his people and he is redeeming his people for himself. He is making a new Adam, right? Jesus is the new Adam. Even though he's always existed from eternity past, taking on the body. He is the Adam who will face Satan in Luke chapter 4 but instead of folding and furthering the curse Jesus will win the battle with Satan and so in overcoming Satan he will start again and things will be redeemed and made alive what does this mean for you? here's what it means this is actually the second time this week I've talked about this Becky and I had this conversation on Friday with somebody else it is not enough for you to just believe in Jesus. You can't just believe in Him, right? James tells us that there are demons in hell who believe in God, and it's of no benefit to them. You can't just believe in Jesus. You must receive Jesus. you understand what I'm telling you? There's a distinction there. The distinction is this. You must bow to Christ as Lord and King God in human form, your Redeemer, your Rescuer, your only hope of salvation. You must receive Him as He is presented in Scripture, not as He's questioned on TikTok or in Luke chapter 4 or in all these other different various forms, but as He is presented here in this genealogy, in a cosmic event where heaven is split open and He's declared to be the Son of God, you have to spit in the face of all these one-time uh, amazing events to say, Jesus really isn't the Son of God. He's really not born of a virgin. No, He is. You need to receive that, and trust that, and live that daily. Right? Let's pray. Lord, we bow before you in this time, and it is at a passage like this, we are sometimes tempted to skip over it and to not worry about it, but... Lord, we know here that there is truth that is to be had here. There is encouragement that is to be had here. God, as we see this chaos and see how it is controlled towards your plan of redemption, Lord, we would ask that you would help us to take this truth. For those who have already received you and trust you, God, you know we know you wrote their names down. And, and while people in L.A. and New York and all these other cultural centers may not care less what we do in Carter County, we know the one book and the one place that it matters most in the book of heaven In your book God our names are recorded and our lives are significant Lord take this life let it be an offering to you let it be one that is faithful to you as Jonathan Edwards the great theologian from years ago said when others are not faithful to God we will continue to be so just like the spiritual image we're reading about here God help us to do that courage to do that, particularly when no one else is around and when it would be easier not to. Lord, if there's anyone here today who maybe they believe in you, but they've never received you, I pray today that you would draw them to yourselves, bring them to an end of their own trust and their own selfish uh, pursuits. Let them see and understand you. As you're presented, the virgin born, the one who cl- is the only one to claim the role of king in anyone's life and heart the king above all kings, the name above all names Jesus Christ, amen we're now going to sing in response to the word of God preached if you're here today you don't know Christ won't you receive him, I'll be in the back of the snack shack here to pray with you and talk with you or if you have received him won't you just spend some time as we're singing here and just relish the fact that you are here in carter county god is watching you you are your name and your life and your ministry no matter how big or small you think you are is important to god won't you praise him for that and won't we be spurred to a greater level of faithfulness because of that let's rejoice in that as we sing please stand